Welcome to Show Your Scars with me, Jordan Angeli. Using my experience as a former professional athlete, I will take you inside the journey back from a devastating injury. Although we may not choose for this to happen to us, we appreciate who we become in the process. Now, let's dive into this week's episode as we share our strength and show our scars with pride. Hey, Show Your Scars. In this week's episode, I had a chance to sit down with Journey to Master creator Ileana Garcia, and we had a really great conversation. Ileana has been through three ACL recoveries, and she's currently in the midst of her third recovery as we speak. We just got back, actually, from her seven-week appointment with her doctor right before we started our recording. So what we dive into is how she got into martial arts, how she started doing taekwondo from a ballet background into martial arts. It's a really fun transition for her and just her love and passion for what she gets to do with that sport. We talk about where she is now, what she's learned through the recoveries that she has had because being in her third one, she's learned a lot during the process already. So we really dive into that. I love that she talks about changing your perspective about really rewriting the narrative within not only how we talk about ourselves, but how maybe we view others or think that others should view us and just owning her journey and being authentic. I think you're going to take a lot of things out of this one. And I had a really fun time talking to Eliana and getting to know her. Here she is, Journey to Master, Eliana Garcia. Welcome, Eliana. How are you? I'm doing great. And yourself? I'm doing well. You just told me before we started recording that you just got back right now, right as we speak. <laughs> you got back from your seven-week appointment. How was that? It was It was good. The doctor is really happy with how everything's moving along. Um, you know, obviously, there are a couple different changes or a couple different circumstances than my previous reconstructions. So we're just kind of like rolling with the punches and <laughs> with everything else going on, you know, kind of looking at alternative ways to do at home uh, physical therapy, which is interesting. But thanks to my, you know, prior experience, I've, I have enough experience under my belt. I can uh, come up with a couple of things. So overall, right. really happy. Uh, so much of recovering from an injury is adaptation, right? And like now yeah. we're thrown this big uh, <laughs> way to adapt and have to do physical therapy. I think that's one of the hardest things for people right now as we uh, go through all the restrictions and regulations with coronavirus and try to do our part now. So this maybe hopefully um, will last a little bit less than we maybe thought it would. Um, it's hard. It's hard to adapt and feel like you're still progressing as well. So hopefully you guys put some things in, in, uh, into play here that make you feel confident. Definitely. I have a great team that's working with me, a great physical uh, therapist and just my doctor. And so they work together on in creating an at-home regimen that will really work on helping me stay on track with the with the goals and kind of the benchmarks that we've set up. So it's just a matter of kind of putting them into play and seeing how my body reacts and, you know, we'll go from there. Right. Okay. So I have been following you. You have a, a, a Instagram account called Journey to Master. And yeah. so I have been following you there um, as you've tagged us in some stuff. And I loved that. You know, one of the things I've always wanted to create with the ACL Club and with Show Your Scars is that um, when we go through something difficult, when we go through this injury, that we are connected to one, each, one another and we, we can help each other through the process, right? So I love that you tag us and we can show other people what you're doing. But for those of the people that are listening that maybe don't know you or anything about you, let's give us a little bit of background on who you are. Okay. Um, well, like my page says, journey to master. So um, I'm actually right now going through my third recovery with ACL reconstruction. Back in 2013, I tore my ACL for the first time, my left ACL, doing martial arts. So to be specific, I'm actually a fifth degree black belt in ATA International Martial Ooh. Arts. So. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, there's five degrees. How many degrees of black belts are there? So there's actually nine degrees in our oh style specifically. Gosh. Wow. Um, 
I've been, yeah, I've been training since I was seven years old. And it was one of those things I, I, funny enough, I was doing ballet at the studio next door to the karate school. And I, uh, I kept seeing everybody kicking and punching and like breaking boards when I would get out of my ballet class. And I was like, forget, forget the ballet, mom. I want to do that. So that's crazy. But also it doesn't surprise me because there is such body control in both of those sports that there's, I mean, that is a similarity that they have, although they're so different. I, we have so many athletes that they kind of cross over, you know, either way, whether it be from dance into martial arts or, you know, vice versa. And there's a lot of similarities, like you said, a lot of people use it for, um, you know, to do a little bit of cross training. So I'm, I'm happy that they gave me the, uh, the okay. And <laughs> they switched me over to start doing martial arts. It, it's truly been one of those things that from the first day, I just knew that that's what I wanted to do from a training perspective. And, um, and I loved it. You know, it was, I, I loved it before I even started it. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's what's allowed me to continue doing it for, you know, now almost, almost over 20 years. So wow, that's <laughs> um, incredible. And yeah. as of recently, you said in 2013 was your first real, um, injury with specifically in martial arts, you do jujitsu. I do Taekwondo. Taekwondo. So um, it's a very specific kind of Taekwondo. It's called Songam Taekwondo. So different to what you might see on the Olympics where it's a little bit more kick intensive. With Songam Taekwondo, we focus more so on the balance of hands and feet. And Mm. so as an instructor, I've also had the opportunity that I I also train in Krav Maga, Israeli tactical self-defense. So we do like gun, knife, all combat style. Um, And then we also do everything that's survival, which we do jiu-jitsu and a couple of other things, but it's more so recreationally just to kind of sharpen, sharpen our sword, so to speak, but right. mostly Taekwondo is my focus. So what was it about this specific, um, Taekwondo, uh, what would you call it a uh, way to practice Taekwondo that you were like fell in love with? So for me, I had family members that were previously training in, in the school already. And I used to go and I used to watch them and I loved the ability and it has to do more so with the instructors i loved the instructor's ability to really command presence and to and to allow others to command that presence as well um through ata international we're really much on life skill development and i think that it was kind of using martial arts as that vehicle to teach those life skills i enjoyed that and having grown up as an only child i didn't have as much you know my parents always put me in different activities so that i was constantly involved and engaged with other kids but i still lacked a little bit of that self-confidence that you know that i would have liked to have had for my own personal success and my parents would have you know wanted me to have as well and every time that i saw you know my family go in there my cousins that were training they always walked out with such a great heightened sense of self-esteem. And I kind of felt if I could go in there and do what they were doing, I would feel the same way. So I was really going after that feeling. And after my first class and the exchanges that I had with the instructor, I felt so empowered walking in as much as walking out of the class that it was, you know, I I kept striving for that feeling. And so I never really wanted to (laughs) lose out that feeling. And so that's why I continued training. I love that. And I think that's something that is, uh, that sports gives us, right? Is that yes. connection with uh, striving to be a better version of what we were today, tomorrow, right? Like that continual progress and something that as athletes, we definitely get addicted to that feeling. Yes. And, <laughs> uh, how long feeling you're always going for. Yeah. How long did it take you to go from, okay, so you said you seven years old when you first found taekwondo to getting maybe what was that first major step like getting a black belt is a huge thing but was there was that would you say that moment of like wow like i'm really getting there i think and i and for me it came a lot earlier and i think it had to do even as a child i was very mature or i was very self-aware and that's thanks to my parents and so my first competition that I had the opportunity to participate in was a month into my Taekwondo training. And prior to that, I had, yeah, I had done a little bit of judo. um, And I ended up transitioning into the Taekwondo. So I had a very little bit of experience, especially within the organization. And for us, I'm Miami local. And our nationals, I'm very fortunate was out in Orlando, Florida. So you know, it's just a quick drive away. And it's in Disney World. So it was the perfect excuse. (laughs) 
And so I went in and my first competition was, you know, like at seven years old as a white belt, one month in of training. And I remember going in and my parents had zero expectation except for, you know, like they always mentioned, have a great positive attitude and have good sportsmanship. That's the only expectation that they had of me. And I walked in and I still have pictures and it only goes to show you how, how bad you can be when you start off and how you can progress. But I was effectively awful. I was, you know, I was definitely not naturally talented um, from the get go. I think I ended up getting like a third place in what we call one step sparring, which is like where you're showing kind of like self-defense. Um, and I remember walking out and my parents were kind of measuring to see how they thought I had felt, you know, because not everybody responds the same way in a competitive environment. And they're like, well, you know, how, how do you feel? Is this, you know, how do you feel about the experience? And I was like, well, I think I could have done better if I would have practiced more. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're like, well, so, so what are you going to do about it? And I'm like, well, I guess I have to practice more because I want to <laughs> go to more of these things. And it was, it was just like that, you know, um, you know, baptism by fire, so to speak. And, uh, after that, we were very local. We were fortunate that there were a ton of local competitions, and my parents, you know, did all that they could to take me to those. And it was, I really quickly, I was quickly immersed into, you know, the competitive culture, and my parents supported me. And so, as long as I showed that I wanted to continue training and competing, they were 100% behind me. And that's that's where I decided, kind of like at the get go, that I wanted to compete. And for us, you know, the kind of like the highest level that you can get to is a world champion status. Mm -hmm. And so for, you know, as martial artists, we wear our traditional uniforms and on our backs, we wear our titles. And so for, for us, world champion is defined by red letters. So it was, you know, it was definitely red letter chasing yeah. um, from the start. And for me, it was all about earning those red letters. Cause I, early on, I also figured out I wanted to become an instructor and I wanted to give people that feeling that I had of empowerment when I walked into the class and I thought you know people will people will want to be taught by me more if if I have those red letters so it was kind of all encompassing in in that stand so how did the progress go for the red letters progress for red letters was really long so <laughs> um for us you have to be a black belt and so it takes about three to four years to earn a black belt so in the meantime you can compete for state champion or now district champion titles which i was fortunate to continuously compete for but to even become in invited to compete for that world champion title you have to hold your position as top 10 in the world for that category the entire year and then since we run on on a fiscal no year no, no pressure at all. <laughs> um, and since we run on a fiscal year for competition, we basically have our world championships in the summer. And so like Monday through Thursday, you, you basically fight and compete for that world champion title. And then Friday starts the new season. So you can be crowned on Thursday night world champion. And then Friday, that's it, like last place. And then you have oh to kind of crawl your way up from there. Yeah. That's it's cruel. Very humbling. <laughs> it's very humbling. We'll, we'll keep it at that. But um, I had, it was, it took me about, I want to say 10 years before uh, of competing and being top 10 in the world and earning a lot of silver medals and a lot of bronze medals and a lot of zero medals to, to earn that first world champion title. And, you know, in hindsight, I know that being top 10 in the world, that's, that's a huge accomplishment, but as a, as an athlete and you can understand, and most athletes can understand once you get to a certain level, all you see is the gold and all you see is like eyes on the prize. So I was blessed to have been, you know, surrounded by other girls and other competitors that were, you know, that they really made me train harder and, mm -hmm. you know, figure out different ways to train better, not just physically, but also mentally, because martial arts is so much of both the, the mental physical balance. And for me, it was challenging because I didn't have that natural talent like other people might have. And it took me that much more work, but it, you know, and one of the things about, uh, my journey to master is it's, it's exactly that. It's not about the destination, it's the journey. And so with, you know, bringing that back now to my ACL recovery and the various recoveries I've had to make and I'm currently making now, it was, it was definitely the journey that has gotten me here to where I am today as a martial artist, you know, as a person. And, and that's what I really think that my red letters mean. So. <laughs> yeah. And I, that's a really, I like how you brought it all together there, but I, it's such an important thing to know is like 
maybe not winning and being top 10, but getting silver and then getting bronze and then not winning. And like all of those things make it so much sweeter when you do get back. And I think we lose, we can lose sight of those, that kind of struggle when we're then in an injury recovery, right? Because it is just such different struggle than we've ever had before. But we never go into a sport thinking like, oh, I'm going to be perfect all the time, right? But then we get into this injury recovery and we're like, it has to be perfect. And it doesn't, right? It is the journey. Nothing, so, is, yeah. <laughs> nothing is perfect when it comes to recovery. And, you know, like anyone that's been through any kind of major injury can tell you that. You right. never think about it that way. No, no. <laughs> Going in. It's like the only way you think you're going to get better is if everything goes exactly how it's supposed to go. And that's just not reality. So, um, I want you to give us a little, uh, we're going to talk through some of the the things that you've learned and some of the things that maybe you struggled with the most with your injury recoveries. And as you, you mentioned, you're seven weeks out of an, uh, reconstruction right now. Um, just let us know like what has happened to you. Were these the first injuries you really had as an athlete that set you back for long periods of time? Definitely. So I was, I was 18, um, when I first got hurt back in 2013 and I was at what I felt was at the peak of my athletic career. Like most of us, when we get it always feel like that, right? (laughs) It, it just makes it so much more climactic, you know, it like a story. Back. What a story. Yeah. For me, I was, I had just moved into, um, the 18 to 29 division, uh, fourth and fifth degree women, which for us is, you know, the four, 18 to 29, fourth and fifth degree men and women's division are the most competitive. Yeah. I was going to say that's it, probably like the cream of the crop, right? Cause that's pretty much <laughs> the age it's, group where y'all, you've been practicing for a while, but you're still like physically at your prime. Exactly. And I was coming in my first year into that division and I had started off really strong at world championships. Um, I had won the night before my first um, world championship in fighting and actual contact fighting sparring is what we call it. And, you know, I started the next day, the season, you know, all first places. It could, it couldn't be better, you know, picture perfect. You're the reigning champ. Right at, at that point, I was like, "Man, in, this might go in a that lot division, better. in that division, or it was right before you were the reigning champ in the lower division before you popped up into the next one." Is that what you're in saying? the lower division? Got yeah, it. Okay. I had finished out my, yes. you know, my seventeen and under division, and I was doing really well. I had won my red letters in, in sparring there, and then the next day I moved into eighteen to twenty nine, fourth and fifth degree, you know, and that whole season, which for us was, you know, I was from July to about. April, May, I was consistently winning. I was in the top three for the top 10 in the world for all categories. I was seated so well, you know, in my mind, I'm like, man, if there's any year that I'm going to get multiple red letters, this, this could be it, you know, just because of the way that my training was going and whatnot. And I had come home back. I, um, I was studying at the university of Florida and I had come back home, uh, to kind of train for the summer and, just work out a little bit before going to district championship um, as a warm up for our world's our world's competition. And I was training with some of our instructor team and we were doing some contact fighting and I was just sparring like I normally do. And my knee, basically we were sparring and my knee went one way and I went the other. And, you know, I heard that awful pop that, Mm -hmm. you know, you only know if you know, and, and that was pretty much it. And I had never been injured to that extent, I had rolled a couple of ankles, you know, and things like that. But I heard the pop and because I had never heard it, you know, the first time you hear it, it's terrifying. Mm-hmm. It's probably equally as terrifying the second and third time because you then you know, but that first time I, I hit the floor and I couldn't get up. And the only thing that I kept thinking to myself, and I remember saying it to the other, you know, uh, people that were around me, I have to go to districts. I just can't, I can't not go, oh, you know, like I was just yeah. thinking about competition in that moment. and. Um, you know, they were like, yeah, I think we got to take you to the hospital. And they took me to the hospital, you know, x-rays, you know, sent me to an ortho. And they're like, yeah, no, your ACL is gone. And I was just completely heartbroken because, you know, everything that I had worked for, obviously, I felt like if it was just being, you know, like ripped out from under me. And for me, I was very fortunate that even though, you know, the ACL was gone, like most other people that have ACL tears, because of the physical condition that I was in or, you know, the physical state, I was able to, with a brace, continue walking. And and I was able to slowly with pre-op therapy, continue working out lightly. Mm -hmm. And um, I actually went that year to world championships, just, you know, 
as a spectator and just to show my respect to other competitors. And I was too overly motivated and too confident in my Don Joy. <laughs> and I uh, decided to compete anyway and I ended up bringing home a bronze. What? Um, yeah, oh my I, God. That's <laughs> incredible. Good for you. I was just so, you know, and it's kind of like in denial. So, you know, like it was my first real injury and I was like, no, I could totally muscle through it. Cause that's, you know, as an athlete, you think, no, I could totally muscle through these things. And so I continued wanting to, uh, to compete and to, and to move forward. And when I would go into the doctor, I, you know, told him, you know, I think, cause I read everything online cause mm -hmm. WebMD, you know, knows everything, oh, yeah. everything. of course. <laughs> and I was like, no, I think I'm going to walk out of surgery. Like, it's okay. It's okay, Dr. Diaz. I'm good. I'll, I'll walk out of surgery. And he's like, I don't think you understand, Ileana. This is, you know, this is not a, a scrape on the knee. Like, you know, we're going to give you a nerve block and anesthesia and all this stuff. And I'm like, I know, but you see, I read this, I read this one link and you see, <laughs> I, you know, and, and like everyone, I was wrong. Yeah. And I think that it didn't hit me until I woke up and I couldn't feel my leg and I tried moving it and I couldn't move it. And I was, the doctor came into, you know, the room where I was being held. And he looked at me and I looked at him and like, he could tell that it had like sunk, that yeah. this was, this was not going to go as I had planned. And it, it was just really eye-opening and, yeah. and shocking. What do you wish you would have known then if, before you had that first surgery, if you could tell people something that you didn't know that you wish you would have known? Um, I mean, I think for me that, you know, whatever you think, you know, you don't. I think that's the best <laughs> because I mean, especially coming in from your first surgery or even from a second and third, I think that if you go in with an empty cup, so to speak, and you know, you're really open to whatever your surgeon says and you know, your physical therapy group says, whatever you expect, expect the unexpected, right? Because mm -hmm. you don't know how your body's going to respond. And if you've never been in this situation before, you know, th this is not a, you know, athletic training. This is athletic yeah. recovery and it's mm -hmm. completely different. Wow. And when you kind of take a different approach to your recovery and you give yourself grace, because I think for me as an athlete, I, I didn't allow myself any grace. I kind of told myself, you know, I have to get back at it. You know, if online says, you know, nine months, that's it. At nine months, I'm going to be kicking, jumping, spinning, you know, the whole works. And that was unrealistic. So I, I definitely set myself up emotionally for failure. And that obviously reflected in my, in my physical recovery as well. So I think giving yourself grace and, and expect the unexpected. What do you think you struggled with during that first rehab the most? What was the hardest part of it? Um, I think for me, having identified as an athlete for so long and I know that a lot of people they they undergo this as well um identifying as an athlete and now feeling that that identity had been ripped out from under me because I wasn't physically able to do what what I felt classified me as an athlete I think that was the most challenging thing because for me and for most athletes you know you're because you've been training for so long in your sport and you're always immersed in that environment and you're surrounded by athletes not being able to to be around people the way that you've been around them before and contribute or you know um, participate the way that you have before I, I definitely struggled with that because I felt you know even though I was obviously making my recovery I was unable to to do what I loved and that was martial arts and mm -hmm. so it, it definitely um, affected my mental state and you know and it just affected the way that I viewed my recovery I looked at it all very negatively versus, you know, positively as this is an avenue that's going to help me get to where I want to be. I was kind of, um, <laughs> I, I was kind of resilient to, to not do things the way that they had you know, told me. <laughs> And, and I kept self-treating myself, which is probably not the best. Mm. Well, I'm sure that's something that you learned as you went through this rehab and then into the ones that you're going to, that you have gone through since then is just, um, you already mentioned it, just trusting the people and being an open, you know, like a empty cup filling up with that information and asking questions and uh, listening to people who might have more experience on it than you. But I think what you said too, with, being an athlete and identifying with that and then feeling like it's getting taken away from you. It's something that a lot of people go through and a lot of people struggle with. And I think just because we're injured, it doesn't mean we're a failure. It doesn't mean we're not an athlete. It doesn't mean anything is taken away from us. It just means that we're evolving in a different way than we thought maybe we should have. 
I agree. I, I think that it, in essence, especially like having now gone through it a third time, I think it's almost, you know, redefining the word that we quote unquote say is failure and, and really turning it into a success because it's, yeah. it's not really failure. It's, it's again, it's a part of the journey and, and wherever that destination is, you know, you know, whether it's in sports or whether it's in your career, wherever you're at, you know, that's what's going to help you evolve into that person that you need to be. Yeah. Did you find anything? And so before we go into kind of like, I think your story is, is unique because you have multiple injuries, but I want to talk about like how you coped, what has helped you through what you've really like done beyond rehab or even in rehab that you felt like have been really helpful for you. But, uh, I, before we go there, I want to, can you give us a little bit more of an outline of your next couple injuries that you've had? So then we can like then dive into those things that you've learned through all these injuries. Cool. So I've, my next couple injuries. So I've actually torn my ACL technically like three times, right? I did mm -hmm. the left in 2013. I had surgery. I did in 2013, I tore my left ACL. And as a result, I also, um, because I continued training on it, which, you know, for those of you listening, you probably shouldn't without, you know, your doctor's approval. Mm -hmm. I ended up taking the PCL as well. And um, my meniscus was still fine at that point, you know, like according to all of them. So everything was fine in that aspect. I had my in recovery. Um, in 2017, I tore my right ACL. And we actually have a um, connection with ESPN. And so I was had the privilege of being, you know, selected post-injury to come on to ESPN as one of those fourth and fifth degree women. I was able to represent the United States mm -hmm. on an mm -hmm. invitational. And literally the day before I left, <laughs> I was again, I was teaching a class. I didn't even do anything. I literally was walking and my right knee just gave out from under me. And I went ghost white and I was terrified because I, I heard the pop and, you know, if you know the pop, you know the pop, you know, I could only anticipate what it had been. And I, you know, I told myself, I'm going to continue competing, you know, as long as I can do it, I'm going to wrap it up, I'm going to tape it up and, and that'll be that. I went through competition and I was able to push through and, and perform and represent. But when I came back from the doctor, uh, he told me, it's not just your ACL, it's your MCL and you might have done some damage to your meniscus. Mm. I was like, oh, okay. Well, you know. Um, so we went and we decided to go ahead with um, some pre-op therapy and we were really diligent about that. At that point, I, I was probably in even better shape than I was the first time. And, uh, you know, I had found a uh, therapy team that I really liked working with, um, Performance Works down here in Miami, and they're fantastic. Um, they decided that, they wanted to, you know, really help me, you know, from also my nutrition, as well as just my, you know, physical therapy to help me get as much girth, um, in my quads as possible. Yeah. Cause you know, like that definitely helps out. Um, and so we worked on that. So coming out of the second, um, surgery, I did really well, <laughs> um, yeah. comparatively, I was walking without the brace in 10 days. I, you know, had full 120, you know, degree range of motion. I was touching my butt in no time, you know, <laughs> heel yeah. to butt. 100%. And uh, I started kind of like casually getting back into the martial arts training and using movement in therapy that um, yeah. was similar to that, you know. Uh, Which is great that your physical therapist would do that. And something I always recommend people to ask, hey, can we incorporate some kind of movement, whether it's even dribbling a basketball yeah. um, or, you know, balancing and doing some work with a soccer ball but for you it, it is martial arts 100% I think that that was um the things that helped me get back into sport and to and so for me getting back into you know martial arts I um I wanted to make sure that I was still on track for me not uh, not just being a you know having red letters or being a world champion was big for me but um earning the title of mastership. So for us, uh, earning the title of master means that you've tested and you've passed and you've become a six degree black belt. And then you have to pass. Yeah. <laughs> a long time. Wow. It takes a while, but, um, six degree black belt, um, you know, you've passed the physical test and then you have to start the mental test. And that has to do with, you know, your contribution with the community and also, um, doing a couple of other, you know, educational 
contributions as well to the organization and just, you know, to leadership training in general. And for me, no matter where I go, I knew that I always wanted to, the goal was all, was never just black belt. It was master instructor. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to make sure that I was on track to test at the earliest you know, possible time and with my team, because through the years, you know, across the world, I've made so many great friends within the yeah, organization sure. mm -hmm. and they're all, you know, on track to, to test with me for this mastership goal. And it's a beautiful process to be able to go with, because again, you're going through this physical and this mental and emotional transformation into, you know, you ascend to, to be this role model that, you know, you once looked up to and, and now you get to become, uh, I had to do one more physical test um, that year in order to stay on track. And so a year, it was actually 14 months post-op that, you know, I had to do my test. And again, I was in even better physical condition than the last time and, and all that. And I went in and I did the first part of my test, which is uh, a traditional form, you know, in other styles, they refer to them as katas. And on the last move of the form, I like landed from a kick and I adjusted my foot and I heard pop. And I, and I like let out like, like a little screech and everybody, you know, all the, um, masters that were there, you know, judging me, they turned and they looked cause they know how many, <laughs> how many times yeah. I've been injured. And I was like, no, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm good. I effectively was not good. I got off the mat and my knee swelled up, you know, like a softball immediately. The but one you had at, just injured or the first the one, one I had just injured. Yeah. Okay. That was where the re injury happened. And, you know, at that point, which was, I was so far in you know I'm like if I don't finish this test and pass then in my mind in like the five minute you know break I had I was like look I probably you know I tore my ACL if I have surgery next month I've got 14 months so you know if I don't pass this test I'm not gonna make it on track you know for two years down yeah, the line yeah my type a person you're already going you're already exactly like spiraling. I was already, and I'm like okay so I just I have to do it so I you know I wrapped up my knee. I already had a ton of K tape on it. I wrapped it up with some ice and, you know, I was able to use a couple of modified versions and I kept testing on it. And that Monday, that was on a Saturday, the Monday after I went into the doctor, um, and the same surgeon that I've had before. And I walked in and he's like, this is, this is really bad. You know, like my knee was still probably more swollen than it had ever been before. And that was because of all the compound that I continued mm -hmm. on it. And I had never been drained before. Um, I had never even, yeah, never experienced that. It was, yeah. <laughs> I've yeah. heard of some of you guys on here that, you know, you've had like your knee drained and stuff like that. I had seen it, you know, previously. and But it had never been my experience. And they drained about like 120 cc's of fluid. And it was thick red fluid. And I... Mm. He was panicked. Yeah. And I was panicked. He's like, this is not good. This is not it. And I remember him saying, and I think I have like a clip of it. He's like, this is not a normal presentation. And I was like, well, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, like I'm, a ma I'm trying to be a master. This yeah. wasn't, yeah. This is not in the plan. And I think that while he was, you know, like draining me, I was like, okay, so does that mean next month we can go in? And, you know, I was already kind of like planning yeah. in my, in my head and, um, you know, we discussed what alternatives were and, you know, when the MRI came back, I, you know, again, I had retorn the, the ACL that they had just put in on the right leg. Um, and it had actually also, um, the, the buttons that they had used to, you know, um, secure the ACL that had popped and that was, you know, floating around. Um, previously my meniscus had been, um, I had a, like a, a small meniscectomy again, we had to do another one because more of the meniscus was, was messed up. And, and so was the MCL. So do you regret, do you regret doing that, continuing that movement on your knee after you knew that? Absolutely not. <laughs> I know that that's, it sounds crazy and irresponsible, but I, I knew that like in my mind, I knew how my body could recover and I know my limitations. And I told myself, and it's really bad, but I told myself, you know, if it's broken, he's got to fix it. So I got to at least, you know, like push through and, and do what I can. Yeah. Um, that was in May of, um, of 2019. And in October of 2019, my surgery was delayed. And so it kind of messed with my timeline again. And again, I had to do another test. And so I was like, oh man, like this is going to be a lot harder, you know, because at that point I was, yeah. you know, I was just trying to be cautious. And so I, I went in and you know, I was fortunate enough that I was able to 
use a couple of modifications in order to get that done. But I did my test and I was able to pass and, and I kind of felt comfortable for me. It was more so the peace of mind that, you know, I know how long my body takes to recover, you know, with the ACL more or less, you know, uh, given prior experience, you know, I know that I have the right team in place to get me to where I need to be. Mm -hmm. There were other things that were factors that I couldn't really control, you know, like I can't control, you know, that like testing is on this day. I can't right. control that, you know, everybody else will be eligible and, and I may not be. So I figured the things that are within my control, you know, if I can have modifications and, and I'm allowed to demonstrate in the best way possible for myself that I wanted to, you know, what did I have to lose at that point mm. was, was my thought process. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, you know, I, I did what I felt that I had to do in order to put myself in the right mental state so that now I'm really only focusing on my recovery. I'm not thinking of, you know, what I'm missing out or, or I have that, you know, uh, that due date, so to speak, or, you know, that I have to be okay by, you know, I, I was able to give myself some cushion with time that now right. I can really just focus on the recovery before I transition back into sport. Right. And so for you, this is your third recovery here. And just through all three of them, I, I want to know like what has been, um, what maybe have you struggled with the most during rehab that was like a, a barrier that you had to break through? Um, probably throughout all three, and it's not something I'm very proud of, um, was definitely the, the identifying as an athlete, both mentally and physically. Um, I'm about five one and I'm very curvy for lack of a better word. Um, and I'm, I'm definitely compact. That's, that's the word I like to use, compact. And so, you know, for, for me, a lot of my competitors, they're, they've always been very petite um, or they've been very tall and slender. And so, you know, as an athlete and, and just as a woman, I, you know, I have like that body consciousness that, you know, I want to look like an athlete. And if I'm not working out 24-7, um, you know, even if I'm eating well, my body just, it doesn't look the way that I want it to look and it doesn't allow me to feel like an athlete. Mm -hmm. And so I, that definitely was something that I've struggled with um, because your body goes through changes when it goes through surgery, you know, you atrophy, you know, you might put on a little bit of weight, you might lose a little bit of weight. Like there's so many different changes that our body's going through and it's doing it to protect you, you know? And I think that having to think about it that way, that was a huge hurdle that, uh, you know, I, I have to continue walking myself through. And at least this last time, I'm so grateful to have found, you know, the process and the ACL club to be able to have that network to, to connect with. Because prior to, I've never met anyone in my immediate circle or even in my, my circle of friends um, through competition that have had ACL surgeries, which is, you know, pretty ironic because with all of the pivoting and explosive that we do in martial arts you know fortunately we don't have a lot of folks in our area that have really had that um have had that struggle and um for me being the only one really undergoing it you know a lot of people might get hurt but if you haven't been through a major surgery or a major injury like this it's really hard to identify as much as people want to identify with you and they want to say hey you know i know how you feel like sorry, no, you don't like <laughs> if, if you haven't gone through something, you know, like an ACL or something, you know, equal to like, it, it's really challenging because you're the process of recovery is very different and yeah. the timeline for recovery is different, you mm -hmm. know? And so, uh, I think having to work through those mental blocks, that's something that it, you know, it's not like, I don't read a book and I get better. I don't, you know, listen to just, you know, one, you know, podcast or, you know, I, I don't tell myself, Hey, it's going to be okay. And it's better. It's every day you're going through that exercise of saying, you know, today's a new day. Let's see what it brings. And, you know, I'm going to be better than I was yesterday. Yeah. You know, essentially. I like that. So many good things and so many real things that you just shared there and especially with body image. And I think that's one of the things that we, um, can, it can really be hard for us because we have been so strong for so long that, just refocusing or reframing your thought, like my body is doing this to protect me. Like that's a really good way to think about it. Even the atrophy, right? If your muscles were the same as they were before surgery, and then you have this huge sur surgery and your muscles stay the same, then you wouldn't need, you wouldn't think you would need the time that you do need for that graft to actually incorporate into your body in order for it to do what it needs to do. You would just go for it. And 
just that thought of like, my body is doing this to protect me. My body is doing this to protect me. Like that's a really good way to reframe it. I think for me, that's, that's the, I have to continue rewriting the narrative for myself mm-hmm. Yeah, because if not, it's, it's easy to let other people and like with social media these days, you know, it's, it's easy to compare and, and, you know, comparison is a thief of joy. So mm-hmm. I like earlier today when I went in for my seven week checkup, we were talking about it and the doctor was concerned because I've had, I've atrophied probably worse than I have in the last two surgeries. And I will say it's because I'm being a lot more cautious than I've been in past um, recoveries. And that's because I know that this is the last time this is, this is the last time yes, it is. <laughs> that this is going to happen. It and, is. You know, I'm going to keep telling myself that. And, you know, my PT team, the, the surgeon and myself, we've all been a lot more cautious. And as a result, it's mean, it's meant taking a little bit more time off, you know, and not putting weight on it, you know, immediately and not overtraining because, you know, like as an athlete, you always think, Oh no, I can, I can over, you know, I can train myself into a quicker recovery. And that was something that I had to learn in the, in, in the last two experiences that you can't, you know, that, yeah. you know, you're, it needs time to heal. It's mm-hmm. biology. Yeah. <laughs> you can't, it's anatomy. You can't speed it up. And, and so we were just talking about that. Um, because he saw a significant amount of atrophy compared to like, you know, previous times. And, um, I've always had like really muscular legs, especially, you know, being in martial arts, you know, like you with soccer, like that's just, you know, one of those things, like you've always had, you know, like strong legs or a strong lower body and, and not seeing myself that way or seeing, you know, like one leg is, is super thin compared to the other. It, it's definitely, it could be defeating, but Mm -hmm. you know, I think especially after even the conversation I had with him today, it's, you know, okay, well, what can we do a little bit differently that, that can help me get back to where I need to be and can help with, you know, like this hurdle of atrophy. Like this is just one hurdle or one challenge and, and definitely looking at things in that perspective of, you know, Hey, this is just my current challenge and this is where I'm at right now. It's not where I'm going to be. I think that that's, that's definitely helped me from a mental standpoint. That's good. I love that. And as you're talking through those things and you're saying, you know, it's not just one thing, it's, you know, it's stacking these things on top of each other and re- doing that a day in and day out. What is something like if you had to say, like, these are the things that helped me cope, um, things outside of rehab, right? Because as athletes, we're going to do our rehab, right? Like physically, yeah. we want to push ourselves because that's what we've always done. But, um, why I feel like this podcast helps is because we can give tips on the mental side, on the emotional side, things that might seem insignificant, but like really helped us through in certain parts of the process. Well, I'll say that, I mean, throughout all three, um, for myself, I'm not just an athlete, but I'm a coach and, and I coach and I teach and I instruct through martial arts. And for me, having, you know, my students and having my teams that I've been able to coach and continue being alongside them throughout their training journey. um, That's definitely helped because I'm able to, to, to use, to do what I love in a way that, you know, that I enjoy giving back with. So for me, I, I've loved being able to kind of take a step back from being, you know, Miss Garcia or Ileana, the, the, the athlete and being, you know, Miss Garcia, the coach. Mm. And, I feel like I'm able to contribute in a way that doesn't, you know, physically hurt me. And and it really fills me and it fills my cup um, because I'm able to help somebody else along their journey. Cause essentially they are where, where I was, you know, 10, 15 years ago, just starting off as an athlete. And if I'm able to help them and not just in how I coach them from, you know, a martial arts standpoint, but also help them, you know, talk about nutrition, talk about preventative, um, care, because I think that's something that's only now become a lot bigger. Uh, you know, when I was growing up, we never talked about things, you know, and it was just because they didn't know any better, you know, being preventative, um, in the kind of exercise and conditioning that you can do. And that's been a huge platform that I've, you know, stood on and, and all of my athletes, they actually now have gone in, you know, on a monthly basis to my PT and they go in and they kind of, you know, it's like a car, you got to get tuned, you know what <laughs> I, I mean? Like and, yeah. And if you're going to be an athlete and you want to be, you know, at the top, you know, level of, of wherever you're at, you know, competitively, then you have to treat yourself like a top level athlete. And, you know, what are you doing? Not just when you're on the mat, but when you're off the mat, you know, to, to kind of feed yourself, you know, not just nutrition, but also mentally. And, and just, again, make sure that you're in the best place possible to be able to do what you want to do. And, That's good. and I think the, the other thing specifically in this 
recovery that has helped me is that I only recently in the last year started my journey to master page. And that's because I, I always identified that as an athlete, you had to, you know, it goes back to what you were saying at the beginning of our conversation that you almost feel like you have to be perfect. Right. And, and you feel that if you are in that number one spot, obviously everyone's always after that number one spot, but they expect you to be perfect and they expect you to always be at your best. And, you know, being an athlete and, and having been, at, you know, in that position of all eyes on me and, and also having other students and, you know, like other kids and, and people that are looking up to me as a trainer or as a coach, I felt that I couldn't show weakness. And, and I felt that my injury was a sign of weakness when in turn, you know, I think that now it's, it's been a, a huge part of, of my strength because I think if you, if you don't go through any hardship, how can you really come out on top? Right. And how can you say that you've really um, overcome adversity or how can you say that, you know, you've really had to work through different hurdles mm -hmm. to get where you are. And I think that that changes your appreciation, not just of what you can do as an athlete, but also just your appreciation of mobility for so many people, you know, we we're blessed, you know, that, we go through surgery now with these injuries and, you know, we're able to recover from them. You know, some people, yeah. they live in a place of hardship where, you know, this becomes their reality. Immobility at some capacity becomes their reality. And I think that personally, you know, being able to share my story and doing so in an authentic and in a raw way is something I would have never imagined doing because that's gone against everything I've ever told myself um, as a, you know, quote unquote role model. Um, I think that that's that being real and being authentic. That's the best thing that we can do right now. And that's the best thing that's helped me because it's allowed me to come face to face with my emotions and yeah. how I'm feeling during this recovery process. And you have to feel your emotions in order to heal. And if we never fall, we'll never be able to rise. And the, like all those things that you're saying and like really, really good stuff there. And uh, I love that you talk about perspective and how having a different perspective and teaching people what you love about this uh, sport is allowing you to remember that and empowering you and, and filling your cup so you can continue to get through your rehab. And then um, you already said this, right? Changing the narrative, <laughs> changing the narrative in your head, but also like if we think people want perfection, that is not what people want, right? Because we, we are not perfect ever. So doing something that feels right and authentic and maybe makes you feel vulnerable, that's when you know you're really doing something that's worthwhile. So I love, I love your journey to master page. I love what you're doing. And I'm glad you found something to help you get through your recovery. Awesome. Thank you so much. And I, can't say thank you enough to, you know, for you for building like the ACL club and, and building out that community. Had I, I, to be honest, I found your page when I last was injured mm -hmm. last May. Okay. And I remember being home, you know, after, you know, having them drain my knee and they're like, yeah, put your leg up for, you know, ever and just sit there and behave. And I remember <laughs> saying, you know, like, my gosh, I have to do something. There has to be, you know, the internet is huge. There has to be something out there. And I kept searching people's ACL, you know, recoveries. And in doing so, I was able to find, you know, your page and, and your podcast. And then I just, you know, completely listened to every episode you've ever made. <laughs> and, and now you know, you're going to have to listen to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. But I, in listening to other people's experiences, for me, that was a true eye opener that, you know, like, I'm not alone. Mm -mm. This is something other people are going through, you know. And that really motivated me to start my page too, because Good. I felt, you know, if, if you, had I not found your page, my perspective would have probably been very different coming into this recovery. And, you know, I was, I was grateful to have that, you know, that voice and all the voices of all the people that have spoken and continue to speak to, you know, like all of your, you know, your groups and things like that, that were the encouragement that I needed when I couldn't be that encouragement for mm. myself. Well, thank you. That means a lot to me. It really does. Um, and you know, at the end, like I want to inspire people to feel empowered and that this is their process and they can get as much out of it as they, they decide they're going to get out of it. And I'm really glad Ileana that you took it by the reins and said, here I go, you know, like, watch me, watch me do this. So, um, the last thing I'm going to ask you before I let you go, 
Um, well, first I'm going to say, how, how can people follow you on Instagram? I'll tag those things, but go ahead and tell them. Sure. Um, well, you guys can follow me on my journey to master and yes, it's a pun. So, you know, J O U R K and E E to master, um, follow me there. And you guys can also see me on at ATA martial arts. So really cool ATA martial arts or ATA international. It's the organization that I've trained under and that I continue, you know, working towards to get my mastership. They actually named me their 2020 ambassador. And so <laughs> really exciting because they called me a couple of weeks prior to my surgery and, um, you know, they asked me to come on and, and be an ambassador and speak to my story and everything that I've done. And I, I was really surprised. I'm like, you know, I'm going to be broken in like a couple of weeks. Right. And, and so they wanted to obviously follow in my journey and see, you know, the recovery path, because it's not always, you know, not everybody's, you know, journey is, is traditional, so to speak. Right. So, um, if you guys can follow me on either of those platforms and, you know, tag me on anything, I'd yeah. love to see how everyone else is doing. Yeah, that's great. Okay. I'll make sure I, um, link both of those in the show notes, but then the last thing before I let you go, Eliana, what does show your scars mean to you? I think for me, show your scars means being your true and, and authentic self wherever you are. So for me, like this is the season that I'm living right now. This is the season that I am. It's in recovery. You know, it's, it's not um, what I expected. It's, you know, not what I would have wanted, but it's where I am right now. And, you know, I have to own it and make it my own to, to get the most out of it. So yeah. love it. I love <laughs> it. You go enjoy the rest of your day. It's beautiful there. Thank you. I'm <laughs> going to do that. <laughs> I love ending the show with what does show your scars mean to you? Because I get so many different answers and there is another one for you right there, just living her most authentic life and taking the reins on her recovery and sharing it with people. So really good stuff there from Ileana. I'm really happy that we got to talk to her. If you guys have any questions for her, you can connect with her. I've linked everything that uh, she's involved with in the Show Your Scars podcast notes, and you can follow her there. If you guys have questions if you have somebody that you want to nominate to be on the show let me know and as always I just hope that when you listen to these podcasts that it reminds you that sharing your strength is just sharing your story with somebody that as you start to tell that you are reminding yourself how strong you are what you have already overcome but you're also inspiring them to be able to do the same and showing your scars is really a beautiful thing because you are able to say, hey, I've been through something. I have fallen and now I get to rise. And so I hope you guys find just as much power in showing your scars as I do. So go out there and show your scars with pride.